Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, we give you permission to do and to speak what you desire. May our minds, hearts, and souls be fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit. Illuminate the scriptures for us. Reveal to us the face of Jesus and the Father. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The baptism of the Lord. We have the baptism of Jesus Christ. It should give us some pause and ask a question like, why would Christ need to be baptized? We are the ones. I mean, St. John the Baptist is saying, saying, he says that. He's like, look, I'm not the one who needs to be baptizing you. You need to baptize me. But Jesus tells him, let it be so. Let it be done this way, that righteousness may be fulfilled. That Christ entered into the waters of baptism, not because he needed to be sanctified. He was the word made flesh. But to sanctify the waters of baptism to make them holy, to make them an instrument by which we enter the waters of baptism and sins are forgiven. And sins are forgiven and and something that leads to an even greater thing, like the forgiveness of sins is infinitely good. But the, the even greater reality is our configuration to Jesus. It's a scandalous thing to say. But, but as we celebrate this last day of Christmas, so if you haven't told someone Merry Christmas yet, you have until midnight tonight. The scandalous reality is that God became a man that men, right, that we humanity, men and women, might become like God. Not our own gods, right? That's idolatry. But then we might become like Christ, configured to him. That's what sanctity is. Sanctity is not someone who, you know, got all A's on their conduct report card their entire life. But it's people who have given themselves over to the life of baptism, right? The life of Jesus Christ. They have been immersed in the rivers of living water so that they have been washed and cleansed, and purified, and configured, and they think, and see, and love with the mind, and the heart, and the eyes of Jesus Christ. And this this is our call. We're immersed in the waters of baptism. This is what the Lord began, and it is for us the rest of our life to humbly submit ourselves to that reality. Continual conversion, continual placing ourselves in the waters of baptism, in the life of grace, that our minds and hearts, our souls are configured to that of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has come. Last week we said he's come as the light of the world. I don't need to tell you, I don't need to tell you that there is much darkness in the world. And they're not even just darkness that is clear, but there are so many false lights. Things that propose themselves to be true that are not actual truth. 
And when we say that Christ is the light and the light of the world, it's not a cute platitude in that when we, as I mentioned last week, when we're baptized and we receive our baptismal candle, that we are called to be the light of the world. It's not just a cute little thing to put, you know, on the mantle or in the drawer and be like, um, sing songs, hold hands, the light of the world. No, there's a mission. There's a mission that we are given to bring forth light. And what illuminates the most is truth. Part of our fallen human nature is we have a darkened intellect, right? We don't completely see rightly. We don't completely understand rightly. And so we need to be illuminated. The lights need to come on. If, if I, I, this common phrase that we have, like when we don't understand something and then when we understand something, what do we say? Oh, now I see. Now I see. It's not like you physically see something that you didn't see before. It's that there's an illumination in the mind to what is true. And our world needs the light of truth desperately. And last week, we read the passage. It wasn't one of the readings, but we brought it out from Matthew 6 of Jesus. He says, if the light in you is darkness, how great will the darkness be? When we look at our culture, when we look at what's been happening just in the past year from the events at the Capitol this last week to the occupations earlier in, the, in, in, in 2020, and, and I mean, just name it. <laughs> the, the dissolution of the family, just name it. Where we need to look first is not pointing a finger at someone else. But it's at ourselves. And I'm very much so including myself. Because when the, the light in you, when the light in the church is darkness, how great will the darkness be? And what has happened, brothers and sisters, there's the, the, one of the problems is, is that instead of living in the waters of baptism, of being immersed in the waters of baptism and continually seeking humbly and genuinely, like we are on certain levels, and blessed be God, the folks, you and me who are here today, more so than, than, than many Catholics, but to be like a real conviction, like how much more are we being baptized in the world? And instead of being continually living in the waters of baptism and allowing my mind and heart to be converted to the truth of Jesus Christ and then going into the world, right, being configured by him, being baptized by Jesus. And I'm saying you're just baptized once, but I'm talking about living in the life of the Spirit and the grace of the sacraments, continual conversion. And then going into the world, what we're doing is we're being baptized in the world and bringing that into the church. We're being baptized in the world. We, you know, this, this, the things that have happened, the things that are happening in our culture are symptoms. They're symptoms of the fact that, that we, in a large scale, are putting more trust and confidence in things, in people, in political agendas that are not God than him. That's what's happening on the right and on the left. It's more confidence and more trust 
and political figures or parties. And like, I mean, again, here's a symptom. How many of us unilaterally defend a political party or candidate because of just total fear of not wanting the other person to gain any ground whatsoever? And unilaterally attack the other because not wanting any ground gained whatsoever. This is a manifestation that we trust more in a political system or political party or maybe an ideology of the culture than we do in Jesus Christ, than in the truth. We need to get on our knees, all of us, all of us, and be convicted by this because we're confused we're confused. Here's, here's what one commentator recently said. It says, Biden's troubling political agenda, like Trump's, and the public support for both, again, on the right and the left, this is by Catholics, is evidence of a people not formed by the gospel to think about the common good. And the fractured, divisive, escalating tribalism and hatred between red and blue is evidence of a people not formed in their hearts by the Prince of Peace. So is the fracturing of the family, the sin of racism, the ubiquity of pornography, the marginalization of the poor, the death of the unborn. Put it more simply, if few of us really know God, is it any wonder that we treat each other so hellishly? Is it any wonder that our culture is the way it is if the church, if we in our own hearts are lacking and our configuration to Jesus Christ. There should be no surprise. And it's from, from the bishops all the way down, right, to the faithful, and from the faithful all the way up to the bishops, all of us. Why? Why do we look to the world sometimes more than we look to the Lord, more than we look to his church? One, the simple answer always, we're fallen. We're fallen. Part of fallen human nature, again, is that darkened intellect. It's the, the, the concupiscence, the twisting of our passions and desires. And so we think sometimes we want things that are not good for us, and we don't want things that are good for us. And we trust more in ourselves or others than the Lord. And until we recognize, like, we need a Savior not just once but every day, we're not going to get out of it. The second thing, I think sometimes the sins of the church, the sins of the church from us who are in this church right now, from the lay faithful to priests to bishops, and particularly I think recently of the clergy, like the sins of the church, it, 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 it wounds trust. It wounds trust. When anyone hurts us, it wounds trust. But even more so, the people who are meant to be the body of Christ, the church, and particularly the shepherds of the church, like that's, that's real. That's real. But what happens is we say, okay, well, I can't trust the church anymore. Then, then I'm going to go trust someone else. But like another, another broken person who's perfect. So if we use the argument that I'm, I'm not going to trust the church because the church is broken, but I'm going to trust someone else or maybe trust myself who's perfect. It's a false argument. It doesn't work. What we have actually in the church 
is the truth and the promise of the Holy Spirit that when the church teaches definitively, which not every word that comes out of a bishop's or priest or the Holy Father's or a lay faithful's mouth is definitive teaching of the church, but when the church teaches definitively about truth and morals, she cannot teach an error. It is a promise by the Holy Spirit. And so that is the solid foundation of truth that we can trust. That is the truth that we can trust, even as we struggle with it. And even as, yes, it is taught by broken people, by sinful people, including myself right now. But it is rooting ourselves in the truth of Jesus Christ and in the teaching of the church so what do we need to do? I mentioned like a couple of months ago. If we want a just society, we need to ask a deeper question. What is the truth of God? What is the truth of man? Because society is made up of people. We only know ourselves as creating God's image and likeness. Christ fully revealing him, ourselves to us. But we're listening more to the world than we are to the Lord in this church. And so we're confused. And the truth is, when we do that, brothers and sisters, it's called idolatry. It is the number one sin. It is against the first commandment. When I trust myself, someone else, political party, another agenda, the eyes of the culture, more than the Lord, it is idolatry. And believe me, my spiritual director is fond of telling me... <laughs> Andrew, that's idolatry. Yes, you're right. <laughs> I'm trusting in myself more than in the Lord. And so our hearts need to be convicted and we need to repent. Repentance. Turning from it. And repentance, not uh, like of a God who's waiting to smack us around, but the Lord is like, hey, I'm, I'm glad you realize that I love you. Like, come on home. Come on home. And then in this movement of repentance, it is genuinely studying the faith, studying the scriptures, studying the catechism, because we need to be illuminated. I cannot love someone if I don't know the truth, objective truth. Why? Because love is to will the good of the other. If I do not know what is actually good, if I'm confused about what is good, I cannot love rightly. And in some form or fashion, all of us are confused about that. And all of us need our minds to be changed, to be transformed. There are things we think are good that are not actually good. So immersing ourselves in the truth then that allows us to love rightly, even when it's hard and difficult, particularly when it's against the grain of the culture, on the right or the left. Let us today <laughs> repent. And so part of your homework, if, you, if it's been a little while since you've confessed the sin of idolatry, maybe you haven't committed it, maybe you haven't, but it's pretty common, more common than we think, Let's ask the Lord to reveal what idol is in our life and let's come to the sacrament of reconciliation. 
Let's, let's come to the, the rivers of living water. Why? So that the Lord would speak to us again these words of Isaiah. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one with whom I am pleased, upon whom I have put my spirit. When, we, when we're living in the waters of grace, the Lord puts his spirit upon us, right? He shall bring forth justice to the nations. Justice is what is due, what is rightly due to the person. Again, I can only do that when I'm living in grace and living in truth. When I'm baptized in Jesus Christ and not in the world. He says, I, the Lord, have called you for the victory of justice. I have grasped you by the hand. I formed you. And this formation is continual. And I set you as a covenant to the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes of the blind, to bring out prisoners from confinement, and from the dungeon, those who live in darkness. We cannot do this as we remain blind. Blessed be God for his patience and blessed be God for his mercy. Never casting us away, hand always outstretched to us. But we must turn, we must turn to him and turn away from our trust and our, and our association more in the idea, ideologies of the world of the right and the left than of Jesus Christ. We must not only for our country, not only for our culture, but for our own souls. Just say that again. Not only for our own country, not only for our own culture, because the culture will only be transformed not by a political leader, not by a political party, but by saints. By saints. But even more foundational than that is my own soul and the soul of those around me. My salvation can only come from Jesus Christ through his church. No one else can be my savior. Not me, not Joe Biden, not Donald Trump. Jesus. Jesus. We are the light of the world. If the light in us is darkness, how great will the darkness be? But Jesus always, always extends the fire of his heart, no matter where we are, to and for us, to configure us to him. Today again, let us renew that grace. Come, Lord, set me on fire. Configure my mind and heart to the truth, that I might love rightly and transform our culture.